0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com.
1: To eat your words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and it's the first day of March. um, And although it is snow flurrying outside right now in Brooklyn, at least. Um, tomato Mania is right around the corner. Um, I'm talking about general tomato enthusiasm, but also the world's largest uh, tomato seedling sale of the same name, Tomato Mania, is taking place pretty soon. And I'm excited to have the founder of that seedling sale and also the new author of Tomato Mania, the book, A Fresh Approach to Celebrating Tomatoes in the Garden and in the Kitchen. It's Scott Digg, How are you?
2: Hi Kathy. Good morning.
1: Morning. So we're how...
2: just great. We're great out here. I'm sorry it's still so cool <laughs> for you. I know that's difficult when spring's around the corner.
1: It's it's tough to like get in that mood, but I know it's it's you know it's a good time to start getting your seed, um, you know your garden plans in motion. Um,
2: well. Uh... Of course, we all have i mean every all all our different seasons, you know, everybody in the south should be should be in the ground by now, but look oh. at the weather they're getting, so yeah, at least at least you guys you know at least you're not suffering through that, right? They should be there, but oh my gosh, look at the temperature <laughs> so it's good we we're just we're we're starting our season this week out here,
1: all right, yeah, it might be a slow start, but uh, that means all the more time to plan things right. Um, so i'm really I'm really excited about this book. I think that it's such a fun uh, guide, a practical guide to gardening tomatoes. Thank you. yeah, but also, I was kind of joking, I was flipping through it um, with a few friends who are watching, and I sort of jokingly referred to this book as tomato porn because of all the gorgeous photos
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <throughout>. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we like that. that's that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, so it, it, it is especially in the wintertime. I mean, come yeah. on, you know when you can't go out back and when you can't go outside, it's fine, that. It's yeah. great to it's great to be able to look at a book. So thank you. We appreciate I
1: it. I mean, we were really like drooling over it like, ooh, ah. Um, but it's something <laughs> about it's true, like something about tomatoes Seem to inspire this this lust that is really unabashed and um I, I think it's ripe for exploring more, so to speak.
2: Well it is. And you know, at our at our events every year we, we, we obviously cater to really great gardeners who are mm. who garden and, and do things all year long. But I'm always amazed by the people who grow only one thing in mm. a given year. And it's tomatoes. Or right. you know, a tomato. Or something. that's it. So again we get everybody from all over the spectrum, but yeah, tomatoes are a huge the- sort of springboard for the spring garden and for people in the, you know, in the growing season.
1: It's like a gateway drug to gardening, it seems.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Lots <laughs> of people refer to it as that, and it is. Because, you know, the other thing is, it, while you have to get the basics right, it's not a lamp.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's easy to be successful with these things. And, you know, we call the book a reality gardening book because uh, I don't, try not to pull any punches. Like, look, you'll have good years and bad years, and, but, you know, you'll, you'll accomplish mm-hmm. this, and maybe you'll have a, t- a test with that. But bottom line, they're not wimps, and it's not difficult. So we hope everybody tries it.
1: Right. And this is something that has been going on forever. I mean, tomatoes have been long, a uh, favorite um, home gardening project. I mean, my, my grandfather had, had tomatoes and took a lot of pride in them. It sounds like your dad did as well um, from well, the introduction. It's whole
2: family, it, it, mm-hmm. the tomatoes, you know, we talk about heirloom tomatoes, but I think the project and the, the experience of growing tomatoes is, is also sort of an heirloom. We do get it from our forebears, and, you know, we were all farmers way back when. Right. So, yeah, my grandfather for sure. So when I was five, I decided, ooh, I have to have a, a, a garden just like Papa, and that was, the, that was the beginning.
1: And it's interesting to note, like, how tomatoes um, have changed in fashion. So before, I, I guess for the last hundred years or so, the fashionable tomato was a bright red, perfectly round um, tomato. Um, I guess... However, like, meanwhile, a curious breed of gardeners were saving seeds for crazy-looking tomatoes as well, which we now call <laughs> heirloom. We
2: doubt uh, Paul heirloom. Those were the first tomato maniacs, right? They were right. out there going, wow, red's not good enough. <laughs> and, you know, whether they, whether they had a friend who had a green one or a bicolor one or a black one or whatever it was, they managed to, they, you know, that is the first sort of departure. And uh, and it was important because obviously we got so many out
1: there. And it is really interesting to note that they still did this um, because, um, you know, with with so many crops, um, you know, industrial agriculture has certainly um, focused on one type of crop for. For shelf stableness and uh, for other attributes, yes. maybe they're easier to grow. They're more resistant. They're more hardy, and so forth. And some of these heirloom tomatoes were not so much. They're more tricky. Exactly. Yeah. Well,
2: they are, and they they don't hold up. I mean, they they flat don't you know don't ship well. Mm-hmm. And so you know if you've been garden if you've been gardening for the last let's even be. 20, 30 years, maybe, you know, and lots of people have, you've seen a major shift from that, from that, what you're talking about, that perfectly red, round, here's what you have to grow in the garden, folks, to the heirloom craze sort of inserts all this wonderful new color, wonderful shapes, and obviously taste again. Mm-hmm. And now, and now you're watching, you know, you can go to the store and, oh, there's an orange tomato and a, ro- a lobed tomato and a whatever. So, you know, supply and demand, you're, right. we, we demanded it started growing it and guess who followed. So right. we're lucky these days that we have not only the items, but we have hybridizers now paying attention to that you taste again and also color and size and you know uniqueness and right. uh, we're we're the beneficiar beneficiaries. That.
1: And that's so interesting because with all the garden crops that um have been sort of really uh, I guess, whittled down to one, one variety. I don't see that many, you know, different crazy looking vegetables for, say, I don't know. But egg Eggplant, we've been seeing some varieties, but not quite as many as tomatoes. Um, so, uh, but you bring up a really great point, which is um, when I was flipping through this, I didn't realize that a lot of these Interesting varieties like green zebra were more recent hybridizations. Um, absolutely, yeah,
2: absolutely. So we get kind of we get kind of both worlds with that. We we get an old world feel, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but in truth, it's a, no. It's an open pollinated variety, so it performs like an heirloom. Right. But you have uh, you have the yeah. You kind of get the, you kind of get a little bit more modern sort of uh, hopefully maybe some disease resistance, maybe some modern considerations along the way. Mm-hmm. So yes, you have uh, you have new and you have old and it's kind of wonderful.
1: And and what exactly is a, an heirloom then? It by definition um because it seems to be like this catch-all now for any any tomato that doesn't look red and round and perfect. Well,
2: no, you're right. You're yeah. right. And, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people uh, buy that, and that's fine. In most cases, it's sort of harmless if, you know, if you, yeah. if you label something that, and, and in truth, it's not. If it's good, it's an heirloom. I mean, okay, that, that's the winning All right. But at the same time, the, 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 the definition is literal. And mm-hmm. an heirloom, an heirloom variety is true from seed. That means I grow it this year if I'm growing a black creme tomato or a Missouri pink love apple tomato. If I save a seed correctly and I plant it next year, I'm going to get the same tomato. Now, that seems simple and, like, that should work all the time, except, you know, I talk about if you go back to fifth grade science and hybrids, Mm -hmm. and if you save a hybrid seed, like sun gold, for example, sun gold's so delicious everybody wants to call it an heirloom. It's Mm -hmm. not the world's (laughs) favorite tomato, but it's a hybrid. And if you plant Let's a sun-gold see. seed, um, science tells us that you have about a, third, a 33% shot of actually getting a sun-gold fruit. Mm-hmm. Normally that, that, first, uh, that first generation, that first cross, will revert back to a parent or, or, or a grandparent. Oh, or somewhere back. What in the are age. the
1: parents so of sun-gold? Is, is one of them okay. like a cherry <laughs> tomato? What are the parents
2: here? Is, is why that Who's the parents of sun-gold? Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard I don't know that they want to talk about that, <laughs> frankly. So you never, you never know. I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of your, that's kind of your, mm, that's what a, what a trade secret that is.
1: Wow. Um, okay. And it kind of
2: makes my brain explode when I think of the science of sort of making yeah. getting so hybrid seed. However, um, the, the bottom line is heirlooms are true from seed, hybrids are not. Okay. There are other definitions of, of, of heirlooms that get more specific, family heirlooms, uh, commercial heirlooms, etc. But in general, that's the difference.
1: I had a book on a few months ago about apples, and my brain exploded trying to understand all the grafting science that goes on there. So
2: yeah, we don't have to worry about the science of it as long as we can cook really, really great things with it, right? Right. So, so um, it's wonderful to have them, and and again, it is a little bit of of heritage, and people, you know, people traveled around the world with these heirlooms, and that's mm-hmm. why we have them all over the place. And you know, with the internet, we found. We found heirlooms that families and individuals had been growing for years that were never ever available before right. to our, or to the to most garden most growers so it's pretty phenomenal
1: it is and I really enjoyed this profile you wrote about Brad gates um a northern yeah, california isn't hi- bre- hi- hybridizer
2: that's great right?
1: yeah I mean well, so he's kind
2: of the- Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm running over you there. Nice. He's sort of the he's sort of the he's sort of the new excitement in the tomato world. Now there mm-hmm. are great hybridizers all over the place. Don't get me wrong, and I hope hope a couple of you guys are tuned in today. Um, but hmm. Brad seems to be Brad seems to be uh, leading the pack in many ways, and and on the west coast, okay. and he's uh, he's getting stripes, and now the blues. I think, which you probably know, and that kind of stuff.
1: So it sounds like he's single handedly responsible for creating a lot of these newer species that are. Really, getting the, everyone's excitement at the farmers' market, um, and amongst well, chefs. The,
2: um, a blue tomato is kind of exciting, yeah. right? I mean, if you can grab that now, the blue the blue gene I think was isolated at Oregon State. So there are other people's work, other oh, other people, other hybridizers working with the blue gene, um, and uh, and breeding it, you know, into lines. So there are a lot of people doing it, and I love that. Right. And I don't know if you listeners know, or the the blue gene is tied to anthocyanins, uh, and is the same. Uh, wonderful ingredient that are the ingredient that makes blueberries so oh. helpful and and good for you so blue tomatoes that is you know with a blue flush or blue shoulders carry the anthocyanin gene and visually it's exciting but it also is uh, is really better for you so that's kind of exciting and brad brad's doing a, a great job again along with a, a wonderful group of hybridizers in different places
1: that is so cool i don't know if i've seen a a bluish tinted tomato, unless it's more like purplish, like a, the black crim, I think is a little bluish purple. Is that the t- blue? Well, gene? all
2: the black tomatoes are crazy, and that I think really, oh. you know, when we look back and what's happened in the last twenty five years, the black tomatoes, I think, were sort of the accelerator for the whole heirloom movement. Oh. Um, most of them, most of them are Russian, so they by by oh. by very definite by definition they're exotic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a whole different taste profile. So when we saw the black tomatoes come, those were the ones that led the charge in terms of oh my gosh, I have to have more different. Mm. and different, uh, and and they're not really blue though. The blue when you yeah. see a blue tomato, when you see one of those one of these antho things, it is it is blue. I mean it's crazy <laughs> really? good, Whoa. and yeah, it's kind of amazing. I don't know if you do you know Indigo Rose?
1: Uh... that was the,
2: that was that was the first of this batch that really sort of hit like, hit commercially, and it's just flat blue. It's Shoot. just <laughs> there it is. It's I a Small. It of a large large cherry but it's blue or it looks like an eggplant color so okay. blue purple I guess your purist might have a purist might have a problem with that but it is it is that color
1: Wow and there's also a Cherokee purple is that among the blue family oh
2: Cherokee purple is amazing Cherokee purple is generally lumped in with the blacks and that's a, okay. that's an American there oh. and um, it, it, is, it is the standard bearer of taste for many people and so it's it's one we've had around for a while which is terrific. And uh, this whole blue generation—it's all new. And when you put one next to the other, you know, and mm-hmm. in—I'm thinking of them now. They could—you could very well say, "Hey, oh, sure, that's similar and all that." But you put one next to the other, and there is—it's um, blue. It wow. is, is, there's no. There's no mistaking blue versus chocolatey or black. So it's pretty amazing.
1: Well, I hope some East Coast farmers get their hands on this book, or or head over to one of your, <laughs> your seedling sales. <laughs> I well, need to I see this. I hope they
2: will too. I hope they will too. Well, the seeds are out there, and we have good growers and, and really inventive nursery people, and, like, and and great farmers market people as well, experimenting mm-hmm. with these varieties. So no doubt you'll see them soon. That's for sure.
1: Nice. So tell me about this variety that is called Michael Pollen. <laughs> I think that was also invented
2: well, that, by. That's another. That's another brass. Yeah. Okay. You know, tomatoes come. Tomatoes come around in, in a variety of ways. I mean, that is a new variety. Oftentimes you make a cross. It's a you know it's a purposeful cross, um, and we sell some of those at our sales. We sell uh, tomato many events. We have a, a variety we call grab bag because mm-hmm. it's either first cross and you don't know what you're going to oh, get. Wow, so fun. Brad and Brad in fact Brad in fact has uh, has provided us with that with that seed, and it's a wonderful experiment in the garden. Sometimes you get something you like. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get a rock. You know, like Charlie Brown. But Rock. Oftentimes, you get really great stuff. <laughs> no, I said like Charlie Brown. Remember in the Halloween show? Oh. Um, sometimes <laughs> you get something you don't want. Okay. Bottom line, Michael Pollen. Okay. The sport of green zebra. That's a different way of getting a new variety, or, or obtaining, or, or or creating a new variety. It was uh, he found a pear shaped uh, um, green zebra on oh. a green on a green zebra plant. Oh. So he saved that fruit, saved the seed, grew it out, selected for that shape, and over. Over a few generations, which is generally seven to nine in the tomato world, you can be pretty much sure that that seed, that seed will be right. stable. So that's how Michael Pollen wow. happens. So it's essentially, it's essentially green zebra. You know, really, really amazing and different package.
1: So did Michael Pollen grow these too, or why is it named after Mr. Pollen?
2: Well, Brad, Brad decided to. I mean, he, you know, he, he. he uh he opts or one opts for a catchy name, obviously for a new right. variety to make it both interesting and hopefully commercially successful. That's what everybody does when they introduce anything. What so an... um, he he did that. I'm sure with with Michael Pollan's uh, you know with Michael Pollan's okay, and uh, just thought it was interesting and and uh, a, kind of a cool way to, to introduce it.
1: That's a pretty cool homage to the writer and uh, <laughs> it, what an honor. It,
2: uh, it it is pretty cool. I got to say, we know, you know we have lots of roses named after people, not so much tomatoes, and uh, I'm sure it's quite an honor for him. I hope so, anyway.
1: Well, I hope uh, some farmers are out there thinking that uh, the Kathy Irway might be a might be a catchy name
2: <laughs> in the future. Uh, that's, exact, that's exactly <laughs> right. You never know. You never know.
1: All right. Well, we're just going to cut to a quick little uh, musical interlude, and we'll be right back. listening to Intrigue by Obey City. This is Eat Your Words on HeritageRadio Network.org. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com.
0: Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
1: Hey, we're back chatting more with Scott Digg, the author of Tomato Mania, a fresh approach to celebrating tomatoes in the garden and in the kitchen. Um, Scott, tell me a little bit about the festival that's coming up, um, the Tomato Manias, that is.
2: My How- crazy events? Well, mm-hmm. the, Tomato Mania started in Southern California way back in the 1900s. It was the early <laughs> 90s. <laughs> okay. And at a wonderful a wonderful nursery in Pasadena called Hortus, creating mm-hmm. a space where people could come and get these these uh, small seedlings that nobody had ever heard of right. nobody at that point nobody grew them out and it became huge uh, bottom line it just was amazing wow. and became the biggest weekend of the year at the nursery the nursery closed in 2000 I worked there and helped build the event for many years and uh, when the nursery closed I said ah, this can't go away and we, we tried our first event outside of the outside of the nursery and it worked so we have this year we have 16 17 events. We show up and basically we're a we're a nursery papa. Wow. We uh, visit our arbor- we visit arboretums. We've uh, I've been to a friend's party store up front before. Um, <laughs> we go to great garden destinations. Um, we our big one is at uh, a farm stand, Tappy Brothers Farm Stand, and in Fino in, in Los Angeles. So we show up and we we promote and uh, showcase as many as three hundred varieties in a, in a in our biggest sale. And I have a great group of people who back me up on this and talk tomatoes all day long and. Of course, we're selling steaks and containers and T-shirts and everything else that have to do with growing tomatoes. And now uh, the book, know, right?
1: And now you, you Sorry. Now, now you get to sell the book there too, maybe.
2: Well, now we now we have a book exactly. The book we've we one of our biggest things at our sales, obviously, is education. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, how can we make you successful? Let me get you all the info. And we learn as much from people as we as we dispense. I think sometimes. But the book is out there, and uh, basically, you know, combines all the information and, and hopefully the know-how that we've uh, gained through all these years. So it right. celebrates tomatoes. It talks about it talks about the event. It talks about the basics, obviously, and, uh, and hopefully we'll make make for a good tomato season.
1: And I love that uh, the book talks about all the all the varieties too, and how to care for those. Um,
2: well. We mentioned varieties throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, I didn't want this to be a dictionary, so right. we tried to put a lot of information in there versus just descriptions in that. Um, we, have a, we have a tomato mania app that does that's, so, that's soon going to have 600 varieties on it. So we try to do the, try to do the variety thing in our app. But cool. in the book, we really tried to mention varieties mm-hmm. for specific use, whether it's for a recipe. for a, you know, it's for a particular strategy. We talk a lot in the book about a tomato strategy, which kind of blows people's minds a little bit. (laughs) But it's all about, you know, a good gardener or a good garden gets you what you want. So if you start the season with goals, and you have a strategy in mind, like I want all early tomatoes, or I want all huge tomatoes, or or I want all orange tomatoes. Mm -hmm. If you do a little homework at the beginning of the season, you can do that. And Tomato Mania events try to offer you all of those things. So you, so everybody's everybody's sort of strategy or dream tomato garden can come true
1: that sounds just like a whole lot of fun i i would love this idea of this festival <laughs> so cool Well, mostly
2: it's fun i yeah. mean it better be fun right it's a lot of work obviously mm-hmm. are, the biggest ones are really huge but it's um but it is a lot of fun i mean people come to celebrate this crazy season they celebrate all these Wonderful names and the history associated with them, and uh, and we have a good time. So that is the bottom line. It's not fun. We're not going to do it anymore. So we're having fun.
1: That is so cool. So I do have um, some tomato troubleshooting questions that maybe you can help me oh, out okay. with. <laughs> Let's um, see what we can do. So last summer, I got a lot of wind, and I know that like I had I, like twisted I like you know did some ties and stakes with my tomatoes, but it just wasn't quite enough. Like I'm talking a lot wow. of wind, yeah.
2: And did they? And they got they got really damaged then, right? Yeah,
1: they did. And like for the sun gold, well, little, they flew off,
2: right? Uh-huh. <laughs> the tomatoes did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, here's my here's my first suggestion: find a different place to grow. And I <laughs> I know that can be a little tough sometimes um, okay. if you have limited space. But yeah. but I we talk about it all the time. We talk about you know breeze is good, wind is not, mm. and um, whether it's you know you're at the coast and you're putting up a windbreak, which some people do. We often mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the place that tomatoes want to be are behind the hedge, behind the fence, next oh, to the house, rather right. than rather than out in the open. So uh, you've identified, and I think, you um, need to work hard at uh, just sort of, uh, you know what the problem is, in other yeah. words. Let's see if we can't block it somehow um, or, you know, or otherwise make a difference. The other thing, truly, is that, that oh, maybe the stature of the tomato can help right. you out. In other words, there are larger tomatoes and smaller, generally Generally, called down on a tag as a determinate or an indeterminate tomato. Determinate is smaller. It's stockier. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may hold up better in a windy situation. So, again, strategy. Get right. to a strategy and then do what you can physically to limit, limit the problem.
1: All right. Better strategy. But I do find that a lot of people maybe underestimate um, how much support the plants actually need. Yeah. Um, so. Well,
2: look, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not wrong about that. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong about that. We've, we've just introduced a new tomato trellis to the market, okay. and it, we think it's the strongest thing around. And it's basically a grid that's in an X shape. And mm-hmm. I love growing tomatoes on grids because it spreads, it spreads out the tomato kind of in a plainer fashion. But it's also, it's also a, really, a really sturdy support. Um, a lot of times, though, Kathy, when, when people talk about, you know, oh, I can't manage all this growth, and oh, my gosh, my first question is, how much you're fertilizing and how much are you watering? Because if you truly have a problem with a ten foot plant, you know uh-huh. you may be doing too much or both of those, and you may alleviate the problem and have better tomatoes uh-huh. if you if you limit that a little bit. So back to the basics. It's always back to the basics. We went out last year and doing and doing tests for our new Page cage, and I didn't have a tomato that was over five and a half feet tall, and that's because okay. I kind of have a tough love field. You know, mm. I don't overdo it. And um, maybe that's part of the problem there. Does that so, make like Yes, you gotta be ready with a support. Yes, that's yes, right.
1: Oh, sorry, do you think that made for better quality tomatoes in the end? Like
2: Well here, here's the thing. If you're if you're overwatering your tomato, at the beginning of the season the tomato's got only stems and leaves and, you know, structure stems, to support. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of the season the tomato's putting all its energy into fruit. Mm-hmm. So consequently you're giving it energy partially through water. If you're flooding your tomato at the end of the season, uh, which we often do because it doesn't look so good, uh-huh. you know, the plant doesn't look so right. great at the end. You're just, you're just, you are, you are, you're really just sort of uh, flooding that, that fruit with, uh, water. with water and you're affecting the taste of the tomato. The oh. less water you give it, water deeply and infrequently when you water, then all those sugars and acids have time to balance in fruit and you won't dilute flavor. So, yes, water has everything to do with how that tomato tastes in the end. All your good farmers market uh, growers are cutting back on the water at the okay. end of the season, so that all that all that sweetness is found in the fruit.
1: Oh, so it's okay if the plants look really raggedy and dry at the end because it did makes did for did better you fruit.
2: Read the, did you read the, the "Miss America Syndrome" of the book? I mean, no. I, I talk about I talked about it. I said, look, we always want to be good gardeners and have perfect green, perky plants all season uh-huh. long. That is not going to happen, <laughs> at least not if you're doing it right. <laughs> So I so yeah so I call it the Miss America syndrome. Let it go. Got to you know. There's another thing. You got to be able to. You got to be able to go. I want fruit. I don't care what the plant looks like, and be okay with that, and not try to fix it all season. So slow and steady. You know, keep your know what you're doing in terms of the basics, but don't be freaked out when things start. Literally, the plant starts to go south. It's just providing you fruit. That's part of the arc that it goes through as it grows.
1: Oh right. Well I think I can get down with that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> can. Granted, there are problems that appear that, you know, I mean there are there are plagues and plagues and problems that mm-hmm. will will hurt a tomato and, and you know, stop it from producing altogether. But right. just the, the season and the length of the season is not one. You know, it will it will uh, again, there's this definite arc that the plant goes through, and, and it's ready for the compost pile at the end mm-hmm. of the season. And then basically a lot of them look like it. So um, that's, that's how that goes. All and just right. a note there, if your tomato has any disease, you don't want to be putting it in the compost pile. But okay. literally, um, or figuratively speaking, it looks ready for the compost pile.
1: Well, this is good to know. Um, all right, so this book also talks about not only how to grow the tomatoes, but what to do with them afterwards. Um, of course, my favorite well, part. <laughs> Um, but, well, that's
2: di- the different part in this book, right? It's like mm-hmm. where, everybody's been asking, where are the recipes, where are the recipes, and here they
1: are. And I love how you describe your favorite recipe, which is
2: what, <laughs> cut,
1: salt, eat.
2: <laughs> pretty, pretty much that's the end of it, just involve salt, which is, again, we're trying to make things easy in this book, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and accessible, and hopefully it does that.
1: Well, I know a lot of people who find that that, there's no better use of a really good ripe um, tomato than just to eat it fresh. I mean... Anything else is well. Just...
2: That 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 is what you're growing it for. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, we love sauce. We love great recipes. Tomatoes are amazing in so many different things. We want to grow tomatoes in our backyard so we can stuff our face in one. You know, at the when it's perfectly ripe. <laughs> That's what most of us want. And uh, and and hopefully you'll get that right. So right. Uh, that that is what we want. Simple simple is often best.
1: Speaking of stuff your face, I, I enjoyed this. Um, you wrote about uh, an interesting comment from the community uh, that you got. A sort of uh, request from somebody who wanted a tomato that he could eat while driving his car. <laughs> eat by hand <laughs> well,
2: while driving. Mean, exactly. Yeah, I get a of Did all you figure that one out? I it. was like, hmm, what's that about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, told him, I said, hey, drive safely, but maybe you, cannot, maybe you should opt for one called Glush. Um, Glush. Glush is a new sort of elongated, it's an elongated grate that's, that's beautiful. It's mm. golden with sort of pink, pink splashes inside and out. And it's super sweet and it's amazing. So I, I decided not to just do the pop cherry in your mouth, thing. Yeah. I just kind of went let's uh, let's do this with a little larger tomato. And mm-hmm. I, I recommended blush. So I hope he was happy.
1: All right, the blush. So it's a more of like a plum shaped or oval. It's it's
2: a very it's cylindrical. It's like a long grape okay. with a little point on the end often. Um, and um, again, uh, the product of of a, a guy named Fred Hempel, a wonderful new uh, or not new, a wonderful hybridizer like Brad. Who is coming up with great things for the market? So it's a uh, it's a good one. And there now there's a whole series of those stripes. Um, looking look for the artisan tomatoes, and uh, that you'll find you'll find work that he's doing out there.
1: Cool. Well, maybe we'll see more people uh, eating tomatoes on the go, like it's an apple. Um, thanks <laughs> to that one, well, I,
2: I assure you, I assure you, plenty of people do. I get those <laughs> emails too, right? Like, what did you take Why to not? work today? Well, I bought one of my tomatoes of course. Why or three, not? so I could share. So we get that all. We get that all the time.
1: I love it. Um, another great piece of advice I, I enjoyed in this book was to use tomato water. So that stuff that kind of and like juices out from that, you know that
2: messy and that's that messy stuff that's left over, right? Right. Well, look, you can use it. In, you can use it in a cocktail. You can use cocktail. it in tops. You can use it in anything that you want a little extra summer, extra summer, um, you know, hit from. And um, I did a really interesting thing recently. I froze, I froze whole tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And when I was thawing them, when I was thawing them, I just kind of punctured the lower sections mm-hmm. in, and sitting it in a, in a saucer. And there it is, frozen tomato. Uh-huh. And as it, as it sort of thawed, this tomato water just oozes out wonderfully. And you have this perfectly clear tomato water at the bottom of the saucer. And I went, oh, well, that's a good way to capture that stuff if it's not on a cutting board. Hey. And, um, and, yeah, it's kind of an obscure part of the tomato, um, I guess, recipe array. But it certainly works, and is interesting. And foodies and the, your foodie audience, and chefs out there—they know what tomato water is. Yeah, and I, and bartenders, I should say as well. So there you go.
1: It sounds so refreshing—a cup of tomato water instead of like you know canned tomato juice. That's just that's a nine day difference. Well, but yeah, that it's sounds...
2: interesting. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people go. Hmm, I don't know about that. But as an, as an added ingredient, it's really great.
1: I love the idea. And it's to... part of what
2: you taste. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's part of it's part of what we love about right. the that juice that runs down your chin, hello, that's partially tomato water. And it so has
1: that fresh taste, too, which I love. Of all course. right. Um, it looks like that's about all the time we have today, but thank you so much for chatting with us, Scott. And uh, Well, I'm
2: happy to be here, of course. And, and hey, hang in there, New York, and everywhere <laughs> else where it's cold. Um, your tomato season is coming.
1: Yes. Hopefully in a more colorful way than ever. Um, all right. <laughs>
2: exactly. You'll appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much. Everyone check out Mania. And we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Oh, like the, the theme song do. for Eat Your Words is Lovin' Like This by the California Honeydrops. So Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
2: You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info
1: at Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.